Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm Rob Richardson. We are here in sunny Florida, Miami, Art Basel, here with an artist, entrepreneur, Charles Smart. How you doing, brother? Doing great, mate. Hey, man, I'm glad you could come on. So we've had a lot of great conversations off camera that I wish was, <laughs> I wish we could have captured all of it, but we're gonna we're, you, we're gonna you're gonna get some of our essence today, and we're just gonna have a good conversation. And so you are an entrepreneur. What do you think you would tell people that are thinking about looking to be an entrepreneur? What would be your first piece of advice? Oh man, that's a tough one. I think uh, I would say you need to make the decision that you are going to fail. That you're going to fail? Fail. Fail? Fail. Why would you want to make that decision? And I, not the decision, I think, or you need to understand that in the process, you're going to go through some challenges yeah. where you're going to hit failure. Right. Right? Um, because I think we are just talking before you, you know, we started the podcast here um, about the things that you just don't know. Yeah. Right? That you're going to kind of figure out when you start to go into whatever it is that you want to get into. Right. Um, so I would say that you can prepare as much as you think you can. Sure. But you have to start. And you when you start, you have to be prepared to accept and learn from the failures that are going to come. You know, you mentioned about your podcast as yeah. well, starting and things. How yeah, no, if you see, if you see, if you see, co- if you see Dis- Disruption One, you can see it. We're, st- we're not exactly. ashamed of anything, exactly. but we've come, <laughs> we've come a long way so with right. a lot of tr- with, uh, trials, tribulations, and you know, adjustments. Yes, and so I think that is probably one of the the, the um, because that prepares you for um, and gets you mentally ready yeah. to push through when those challenges come. Because we talked about this too, when, when you're in, there, there are people that I know, some of my friends who are in corporate America, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but they have the corporate mentality versus the entrepreneurial mentality. Right. And, and they think, okay, some of that, some of it's really great, great in terms of, okay, thinking about process, that's, you need that. Right. Uh, thinking about structure, you need that. Right. Thinking about training, modules, all these things that mm-hmm. corporations kind of put into you when you're in these right. large, massive, Bureaucracies, right? However, though, right? You become an entrepreneur. It's a different mindset thinking. Like you can't, you can't go into this like everything needs to be absolutely laid out perfect before right. I take that leap. Like right. you are never going to be comfortable taking the leap. No, I think sometimes you can feel prepared, right? Yeah. So um, we're talking also about uh, Jim Collins, those books. Sure. Good, you know, good to great, great by choice. And um, one of the things that stands out the most to me in, um, in, in just is basically avoiding catastrophic failure, right? And that's taking the big risk where right. you won't recover from, yeah. right? And sometimes starting is important, but I think sometimes we can also um, test what it is that we want to do. And he has this right. concept that he talks about called um, bullets versus cannonballs. Right. right, where you know, you remember the ships back in the days. You're on the ocean. Another ship is coming. It's your enemy. You're about to go to war, right. but you only have enough, um, you know, gunpowder to shoot one cannonball. But you have enough to shoot a whole bunch of bullets before. So right. you come and you decide, okay, I'm going to shoot my cannonball. You miss. You're right. dead. That's catastrophic failure. Yeah, that would be catastrophic. Right. Dying, dying would be catastrophic <laughs> failure. Yes, right. I agree. But we have the bullets that we could use to help to aim properly first, right. test it out properly first, and be patient. 
Right. So we were talking about being patient earlier, about how important it is to actually be patient as we're going through to make sure you take the necessary steps to discover as much as you possibly can right. before you shoot. But there's also right. tension there, as, as we also Correct. discussed. Because that's the tension, right? Now the battleship is coming. Because what, what, what if you hold the, hold the cannon and, and the enemy got too close and, and, and you're and, dead and, again? And, and, so I mean, like, so there's a map. And right. that, but that literally is the balance and I think is what most entrepreneurs have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And the you can't, you can't really know. I, I like Jim Collins, love Jim Collins, yeah. read all these strategy books. This is what I tell people from another book. I think it's the best advice I have received from any type of entrepreneurial book. It's, it's right. called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. There is no, there's no plan that can teach you how to run for treasurer, how, right. to, how, to, how, to, how to be a successful entrepreneur. You can see how people did it. Right. I'm going to guarantee you this. You can't replicate that process. Right. Your process is your process. process right. Your path is your path. path right. There are lessons you can draw from their Correct. from their from their from their journey. Certainly that will be relevant to yours, right. but it will not be linear and it will not be exact. Correct. And I absolutely agree. I don't think that there's going to be this, okay, do this one, two, three, four, five, yeah. and you're going to end up The secret to success. The secret to success is, is that there is no secret, no, <laughs> <laughs> there is no secret Like to Except success. for yeah. persistence and hard work. Correct. Those things are yeah. those things are consistent. You have to keep going. Yeah. You're going to have obstacles. And, um, you know, sometimes you just don't know where those obstacles lead to. And sometimes those obstacles and those quote-unquote failures right open up new doors so I'll tell you a quick story yeah so you have a failure that you could talk to that's what yeah. I want to I want to hear that let me yeah. hear that so, so I love um, stories <laughs> so in 2009 I moved to Sierra Leone to start a mining company and by the way you're you're so you're half Sierra Leone I don't like you saying like well you you have what so your father's my dad's from Sierra, Sierra, Sierra Leone and your mother and my is mom's Jamaican. Jamaican by the way I have some Jamaican in me so we're, we're, we're okay there, so we there go. you go that's good that's good um do you like Jamaican food by the way I mean, I'm Jamaican. I'm okay, Jamaican. I don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions. All right, all right, all right. Good, I mean, good. I mean, all right. Personally, I, good. You I don't can stay know on the bias, show. but I think we have the best cuisine in the world, but maybe that's just because I'm Jamaican. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. We're, look, we're totally agree. Totally agree. Got it. So, anyway, so 2009, I go to, um, go to Sierra Leone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my father was a... Um, was a diplomat and a member of parliament before he passed away, and he was best friends with the former ruling president, which was Ernest by Corona. What was his name? Ernest by Corona. Okay. And so um, when he got to power, <clears throat> um, which I think was 2008, 2009 time frame, um, I've been talking to my stepmom, which yeah. lives there, um, about opportunities. And so this opportunity for gold came up. And so, you know, of course, they have gold and diamonds and all this stuff in Sierra Leone. So I go to Sierra Leone and I try to pursue it. And I had some investors to my own money and got some investors to go with me. So turns out the buyers that I had just kind of fell through. Yeah. And uh, this guy comes to me with this box and uh, he says, shows it to me with this black stone in it. And I'm looking at the black stone and I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. Right. But he's like, can you get this assayed? So I was like, no problem. Send it off to Alfred H. Knight in London. They come back, come to find out the product is columbite tantalite, coltan, which is okay. used for your cell phones and basically to make capacitors. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty device. valuable stuff. Pretty valuable stuff. Yeah, but just a little bit, but go just ahead. Just a little bit. But the thing about it is, in Sterling at the time, no one knew about it. Right. So I had this black stone, and I found a village where they had it. And so 
I end up getting one of the chiefs to help me to get 10 tons of the material. Right. So I get 10 tons of material, and my partner is on this side, I tell them about it. They're like, sure, go ahead, we'll figure out the details, but we didn't have a buyer. So I find the buyer, broker with the buyer, and then um, in the midst of it, I send the container off to, you know, to China, because that oh, was Lord. the buyer was. So, I can kind of guess where this might be going, but go ahead. So the container gets stuck yeah. in Jabal Ali, mm -hmm. and it gets stuck because of radiation. We'd done a radiation test, but apparently cerulean radiation test wasn't good enough, and that container, at this point, I'd taken all the money that we'd taken for the gold Ouch. and dumped it into this container. So now, the container gets returned to Sierra Leone. So I'm back here, and I go back to Sierra Leone to try to sort out the container, because it's mine. I can't have radi radioactive material sitting in the port. No, so I gotta no, go clear it yeah. and figure it out. So come to find out, we heard that, okay, no, the radiation test was accurate. The report that they had in Jabal Ali was incorrect. So oh, I wow. find another shipping company. So I find another company now in China, Cut out the first guys. I'm like, I'm not dealing with you guys. Yeah. Find another company, and this guy. My guess China. is it helped to be from China. If oh you're yeah. Going to China, it might yeah. Be so yeah. This guy's there. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. great. So this guy tells me all this, you know, story. So I get the container. He said to have the permits to import radioactive material. He sends it, all that stuff. So I send the container off again. So send the container. I go to China to meet the container. <clears throat> and I get there, the container gets stuck. But before I went. <laughs> Again. A second time. Damn. You're like, man, this is like not going well. No, yeah. So the second time, I, before I went, I reached out to some factories in China. And um, I had made an arrangement to meet one of the factories. So when I get to China, find out about this, I'm waiting in Nanjing for like two weeks. Nothing's yeah. moving. They're telling me all these stories. I barely speak in Mandarin. I have a translator I'm using, but it's like, it's not moving. So I jump on a plane and I fly to meet the other factory. I get to the factory, sit down with their manager, and we're talking. So as we're talking, I tell them, listen, I own the mines in Sierra Leone. I have the material, you know, I have the licenses, I have the export permits and everything to be able to get as much material as you want. And they're like, well, and I said, you know, from Sierra Leone. Right. So you're like, yeah, well, we have a container right now that we just got shipped to Sierra Leone from one of our agents. I was like, okay. So they're talking about, it's like, yeah, it's stuck in this other city called Zhejiang. Yeah. So I'm like, That's your okay, yeah. my container. And I, I'm at this point apprehensive about yeah. saying anything because yeah. I'm like, do I tell these folks that I shipped the container? So then I said, you know what? Maybe I'll just be transparent. I said, that container is mine the whole room starts to laugh. They laugh at you. So I'm looking and they're like, they're like, who's the agent that you're using? So I tell them, I'm using this guy's, tell right. the guy's name. And they're like, we told him. It's like, we told him not to have it sent there. We told him to have it sent here. But I had made that connection with them, not through Yang, but directly on my own. Wow. So what's so the lesson now, in this? Wow. Okay. So I end up basically getting a direct line from mine to factory right. as a result of those two failures. Oh, wow. That's so now, I basically increase so my profit margin. Because you increase your middleman. 40%. That you there was no middleman. Wow. 
So that's it. So you, you saw the opportunity. No, you saw the obstacle. Just try to figure it out. That's part of the process, right? Like exactly. You see, you see an obstacle, and there's there, a way to solve. There's always a way. And the thing about going back to what we talked about, sometimes you just don't know, and you have to start. So yeah. if I hadn't taken that one little package that that guy brought to me, Blackstones, and sent it off, I would have never ended up there. That particular shipment. Following that, I became the largest exporter of coltan out of Sierra Leone. Wow. And did that until 2014 that, wow. when we had the Ebola outbreak. Well, yeah, that was slowed down. But right. yes, that's, that's awesome that you were able to learn that lesson. You were interacting with China. Correct. And China, there's, I can't remember who said this in the story, and what story said this, but uh, I, think it was the, I think it was the CEO of Twitter mm-hmm. who said the future of the world is in Africa. Yes. Right. Talk about that statement. Do you believe that? I believe <clears throat> that the place on the planet that is most fertile for abundant wealth is in Africa. Okay. I think because the natural resources, the human resources, the age of those human resources is growing at a pace and has so much bandwidth, not just from an infrastructure perspective, but an opportunity perspective to leverage those unemployed youth, right? right? And the projection is that in 2050 or something like that, there'll be more young um, eligible working force in Africa than there will be in the entire world combined. Which could also cause an issue. Which will also cause uh, an right, issue. Right, there's not real opportunity, opportunity there. there, right. Right, so, but I think that because of the natural resources, now where I see China coming into play, this is I haven't been in, so when I went to Sierra Leone, there was this road that we used to drive on to go from Lumley, where I lived, to Freetown. Right. And um, that road was potholes and like, you know, just, it's like an hour drive for like, yeah. I don't know, eight miles. <laughs> it was like ridiculous. <coughs> can right? I take a to try to help build the infrastructure and resources? And try to change that road. Now that road is a smooth paved road and that's all over. But it's not free though. And it's not. Something's coming with now, that, right? Everything comes with a price. But I think that because China is, you know, the English colonized the world and really oppressed the people in the yeah. way that they did their colonization. And not just England, but Western Europe. No, Western Europe and was so, definitely and, colonized, went ahead, and, yeah. and little known fact, I'm sure you probably know this, but it's something that many may not know. China was ahead of most of the world, yes. except for 200 years when when they decided not to be, and this is Correct. the, the, the adva- cut off right, the trade, this is the advantage right. of having a dictatorship. If you have a smart dictator, you can make great progress. A if you have a <laughs> if you bad one, it could take you back <laughs> six centuries, and which is what happened. That's exactly what, what happened. Exactly what happened to China. China they correct. said we're going to stop exploring. They, we're going to stop globalization. Trading, yes. We're going to be just look at ourselves, yeah. which yeah. sounds kind of familiar to what's going on right now in a certain country that we're standing in. But right. that's neither here nor there. Go right. ahead. So I do think that Africa is the future, and I think that China sees that. I see the immediate next powerhouse, which is probably late for most Westerners to get involved yeah. in, is China. Yeah. However, I do see Africa as a huge opportunity. And so one of the things that I've been doing since 2014 is exposing you know, my friends here right, to opportunities that are in Sierra Leone and um, letting them know that, hey, the country is open for business, not just Sierra Leone, but a lot of different 
developing African countries. And let's, I'm going to take a challenge right. to you for both of us, by the way. I just put things, I told you I'm an innovator. We right. just go with it and figure out a way to make it work. But we will work with disruption, and let's just say we're going to go out there and do some stuff together to show the people, more people, we can have our platform push that. Because we, we, want, we want people to disrupt the narrative when they think about Africa. Correct. I still think people have an ignorant image of Africa. C you know, C Sierra Leone, they mm -hmm. think of things that are, have actually, one, never been true. Right. Or, or, or B, even if they were true at some point in terms of the infrastructure of the country, are not true now. Right. What is the biggest, like, what is your biggest kind of pet peeve when, when people talk about Africa? And what is it that you want them to know? Like, what's, your, what's, the, what's, the, what's some of the top things you want so them to know? So, what I want people to know is, I want people to know, one, from a opportunitist perspective for developing wealth for, whether it's the black community, white community, or whatever community, Africa has probably more opportunities than you have here. It may have challenges that come with it, but the opportunities are there. When someone that lives in a Western country goes to a less developed country, you start seeing so many things that you can do to make the lives of the people there better. Not only that, but also in a manner that you can benefit from. Right. And so I think that people, when they think about Africa, they're like, oh, it's all the way over there and it's underdeveloped. Another thing that people have a, a thought process. Very quickly, on before you go to that, you know, because we talked about this with China, people still have probably a different view of China than what's actually happening in China. Like right. I've been, you've been to China, I've been to China. Right. You go there, you'll see like, you see bridges with dragons on them. You're like, what right. is going on here? Like right. you'll see rail connecting the entire country right. at 200 miles an hour, and they have they they have it all tied to their they, their Facebook. They can do payment through, and no one even right. has cash anymore. Everyone Correct. can just, everyone does Google Pay. There is no cash hardly Correct. anymore. So, and yeah, so they a, are in some ways in more advanced where, than where we are in some things. And Africa is the same way in terms of money and exchange. Yeah, so there's definitely a push because of the lack of infrastructure in um, Africa where mobile has taken off yeah. and the ability to exchange commerce. Um, M-Pesa in Kenya is probably one of the most the you know well-known success stories where pretty much if you're doing business in anyone in, in Kenya they basically are gonna tell you hey you know send me the money with M-Pesa so there are a number of different um, things that it's much easier to implement in African countries right. simply because there are less barriers to entry but how, that, okay that's right. probably true the challenge with that is you know, I think there are several challenges right one that means there's more opportunity to lose because you don't necessarily know what the structures are the second part the follow-up to that question to me is if someone is okay with the some of the risks that are built in risk and everything risk is right thing so how, how would they go right? about how right. would they go about wanting to invest in Africa and not be you know led astray like where should they start I got it so there's, there's, two, there's two mindsets about investing in Africa. There are those very big, massive infrastructure products that people come with where it requires tons of money. Right. And it goes to the government level. And, you know, I'm going to invest $100 million into this new power plant. Right? right. And by the time you get the contract signed and the project starts, not much of the money is left because there is corruption. And that's real. Oh, of course. However, and that's corruption everywhere. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll point that out. 
Um, however, but you, but of course, I think in right. at least in America, some of the places you know part of the corruption is built in into your cost factor. Correct. And I, just being real, right? But what is it? This is what I'm trying to figure out. How, to, how would you navigate that? So, so that, I'll tell you that. So, I've basically come up with a an approach that I've been using over the last four years right. in investing in Africa. Where what I do is. You, re- you need relationships in Africa oh, to invest. You need right? relationships to invest in? Yeah. Anywhere, yeah. right? But what I've been, t- a lot of people don't have the relationships with anyone there. Right. And they want the opportunities. So the relationships I've established with those business owners that I know, right, in the country, not necessarily the government level, right? You may need their support for certain things, but the individuals who are running legitimate, successful business, would have a track record that you can look at and you can see their performance and prove their performance, I help them to generate capital or to get investment from people that live here so that they can basically develop their business. Hold that thought. I know how to put So we'll cut that part out. So you were saying um, about connecting people to opportunities in Africa. Yeah, so the goal here basically is we want we are helping individuals to connect with the individual entities in the country that are doing business, legitimate business. And so that So is there a platform the online risk. or do they go through No. So currently how this structure is, the vehicle right now is me. I have a company called right. Decoding Legacy. Yeah. And through that company, we take investors and their funds, and we invest it in projects there. And okay. they get a return on a cycle based on the product that they invested in. Right? And I so, have an idea for you while you're on that. So uh, have you heard of a company called Solo Funds? No, I haven't. So Solo Funds is a little different than yours, but I think it could work. They have a peer-to-peer network, mm-hmm. and it was started by some brothers that were already successful. And, Long story bearable. There, when you become successful, all your a lot of your family members ask for money. Right. True. Or, and they said, "Well, we gotta have a let's have a let's have a way." Oh, wait, this out. Okay, so, you know, Solo Funds was started by, by brothers who wanted to disrupt the uh, payday loan industry. Right. But also were like, okay, people always ask us for money and I'd like to get some of it back. You right. feel it like, you know. So they, so they set up a peer-to-peer network that allowed the lenders and the, uh, and the borrowers to set up their own terms. Right. And they've put out about $19 million in, in, in funds at this point and they're growing. But my thought, when I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe it won't work, but maybe it will, it seems like you can create a platform to say, okay, uh, you can evaluate XYZ business and get a certain, you know, you be the medium in between. Correct. Right? And, but, and then there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fee for when the exchange happens and it's not that much or something, but, it's, but then that, that adds up over time and allows people to evaluate uh, the businesses based upon what they do. Because I, I think people are going to want to know, I'm thinking to take it at scale. I mean, right. you might have already done it, but I'm not sure what levels in terms of uh, participation people have been included in that. Yeah, so what I've just, done, just a thought process, I'll make sure to make that connection. No I think, problem. I think it might be uh, good opportunity to explore. That sounds great. I love that. Um, where I focus right now is 
relationships with individuals that I know. That makes right? sense. Yeah. And so one of the things that is very important is that trust factor. Absolutely. Right. And making sure that that trust factor is maintained over right. time, especially with something that is so far away. Yeah. So I have, I am constantly going back to Sierra Leone right. and I'm always here. So the people in Sierra Leone, I've known them, I've done business with them over the years, so they know me. Sure. And then on this side, I have the relationship with those okay. individuals yeah. and there's a touch point. So that touch point creates this level of uh, comfort, if you will. That makes sense. But in addition to that, what level of scale are we looking at in terms of these investments? So it it varies. So I have investors that starting at fifty thousand. I have investors that go up to one hundred seven thousand okay. dollars. So it's not the massive, you know, right. you know, one million dollars as yet. But the goal over time is to increase that because what we're doing is that, for example, there's a fishing project that we have. There is a fishing project there where the guy uh, basically um, buys fish from the um, local fish fisheries, our fishermen, right, and builds boats, and he has a processing facility. Right. And so he's built out this huge processing facility to process the fish, and he exports to Korea, and to um, Las Palmas, and other African countries, but there's so much opportunity for him to scale that business, right. and with aqua, you know, aqua business, or agriculture, it's very difficult sometimes to go to your bank right. and go get a loan because of the risk associated with it. Yeah. So I've been helping him through some of those investments to make right. that happen. Which is why you can also do a peer-to-peer to do that too. That's why it might be Correct. a good thing for you to connect with. I, I want to talk about, when we talk about race and wealth, you know, we had a conversation right. about <laughs> racism and in terms of what it means and and the construct, you know, our goal is to have a different take on that conversation. You, you had a different view on your view of race and racism, and particularly, I think, being from a uh, immigrant background. Right. What is your, what is, what is your view on that? Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's morphed, right? Okay. Um, in Jamaica, I went to high school in Jamaica. Yes. And um, my friends in Jamaica and high school were Kevin Chin. Okay. I have to say what he was. Um, Marky Banks, he was white. Charita Fernand- Fernando Oshulankan. Um, Carl Aiton and Kent Aikens. Kent Aikens right. was a mixed race guy. And myself, myself. Right. That was like the crew. Right? That's the crew, all right. That was the crew. I never looked at Mark and thought, oh, he's white. Right. Or Kevin, or th- and think, oh, he's Chinese. I knew he was Chinese. Right. Not like I'm like blind and didn't see right, it. Right, right. But there was no, okay, because he's this, right. I am this. Or because he's this, he's this. It's just right. Kevin, because when he opens his mouth, he speaks Pato just like I do. Right. Right? Yep. So that, when I got here to America, um, it was kind of like, very different culture shock a little not bit. culture shock but right. it was very different because um, I was in a church that was predominantly white at the time which okay. was very interesting I'm and sure so, that was we can have another series on that, that but go ahead but that was um, you know interesting because I just saw that the racial conversation was so sensitive Every, especially blacks were very sensitive about the whole race thing Yeah, and I just I just didn't think I didn't think about it. Right. I wasn't thinking about it. Right. Yeah. And so as time has gone, I would say both. I would say both blacks and whites are sensitive right. about it for different reasons. For but different I, reasons. But, I, but, I, but I, I will. I will get to that yeah. in a minute. Go ahead. So I think that when you. I so think you think you were up, less like 
concerned or were any, 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 I was as concerned. And, and I, I, I do want you to be look. This is to be frank. We're, we're not trying to make everybody politically right. correct. You do think black people were too sensitive about it? I think that the conversation about it and you put it's restrictive, yeah. right? What do you mean? And then what I mean by that is you start to think, oh, because I am black, this is going to happen, or because I'm black, this. I can't do this, or I'm not supposed so to. So we this. accept. You're absolutely right. Right, and right. I think that that is very limited in and your you never, thought process. And you never had that. And I don't point deal with that. You no. never had that. You don't. I mean, I've experienced racism directly once, right. and it was at a restaurant in Indiana. I went up there for NCAA um, championship, and they refused to seat us. And I saw my coach, you know, just completely dissolve the whole situation. Right. And. Um, but I've dealt with it more than once, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Well, you said you I don't have to accept. Today. We talked about this. Like, I think we had the conversation in that race does actually not exist. That's Correct. true. Correct. Like, race is something that people made up to keep a power system and a, and a construct Correct. in place. Right. The issue with it, the issue with it, you know, is that, you know, Black people have accepted, whether they say so consciously or subconsciously, parts of the inferior model. Correct. We, we've accepted it because in how we view other black people, we assume mm -hmm. that uh, they can't do business the same mm -hmm. way. We assume that we have imposter syndrome Correct. when we're in the room. Right. These are real issues that... That also manifests themselves into reality. Because what's true in your mind is true in your reality. Correct. Right. So when you manifest these things, but what, what's challenging is when it's around you so much, mm -hmm. you, you have to work your mind has to work to disrupt that actual right. narrative and pattern in your head. So right. I think what's different for black Americans is that in America, it is so pervasive, you know, overtly, covertly, mm -hmm. and it's been adopted by both the minority, by both black people. Right. And also there are white people that need that, that have some emotional pull towards feeling superior than. Right. Because well, this is the model that has been in place. So, all of it is nonsense. Right. It's but all the, that. But, so, the, but the model... But, the, but I, from my point of view, what we talked about offline is we have to be aware that that does exist because it's like if you're an alcoholic who doesn't admit you have an alcoholism problem, you can never not be an right. alcoholic. Right. That's how I look at it. Yeah, so we talked about earlier about walking into a room, right? Right. Let's just say there's this room of people and there are people that walk into the room and just they don't know whether they're supposed to be there or not supposed to be there. They're right. just there because I walk into this room and this is where I am. Yep. Right. And there's no consciousness about where they are supposed to be there or not. Right. And then you have those people that walk into the room and feel like I'm supposed to be in this room. This room is meant for me and everybody else shouldn't be in this room. And you Correct. have the person that walks in that room and feels, but I don't know if I should be in this room. Yeah. I feel a lot of times that unfortunately the blacks walk into the room and question whether they should be in the room or not. And question the other blacks the that are in the room question, too. Right? And so it's, it's, and that's where I say it's very limited. I agree. Right? And so I, agree. And I keep using that, come back to that term because I think that you keep thinking because of your race or because of your, who you are, you should be limited. And that doesn't mean that I don't, I can't be aware that people may see me a certain yeah. way because I am a certain way. But there's a, another flip side of that. Right, which is a probably more elevated um, way of thinking about it, and it's like that person who may look at you inferior because they're white. Yes, is probably gonna look at you that way because they were raised that way. Correct. They don't know any better. They are taught that way. The society that they live in continues to pe perpetuate that 
behavior or that thought Correct. process. The image, the media. The image and everything. So for them to think the way that they do is not necessarily a fault at that individual as much as it's the culture and the society. What we have to That's be right. able to do is elevate mindset above that and to realize that, yes, our society and culture may be trying to shape the image of what a black person is and the identity and the limitations that you're supposed to place on yourself as a black person, and that is culturally and deliberate and maybe orchestrated. But if you can be aware of that... But you're talking and about... Know, and be aware, Go ahead, finish. Right? But if you can be aware of that and still know that, oh, I know that this is how they are curating this identity for me, but I don't subscribe to that identity. Right. I decide that when I walk into this room, I'm not questioning whether or not I should be in that room. I belong as in this room. As a matter of fact, I belong in this room just as much, and not more than you do. Nope. Just as much as you do, because another thing that I sometimes have this you know, I have the conversation with folks and they're like, you know, you know, black empowerment and we are, you know, from Africa and right. we are the first people and all of those things. White people are black people. The history shows it. Correct. We're no different from them. It's just yes. that, you know, they probably, you know, um, you well, know, they're no different. It's different the, it, people, right? look, DNA is the same. DNA is the Here, same. Here's what it comes down to, though. I, I think going back to the condition, because we do have to disrupt that in our brains. Correct. Because we do. And that will make some sometimes them uncomfortable. This, but that's okay. Yeah. But that you know that's okay. We have we still have to disrupt those patterns. And it here's the here's the real challenge. It, we accept those stereotypes. We accept those mm -hmm. inferiority complexes, Correct. whether we say we do or not. Programming is real. Programming right? is real. Okay. And so you know we have to work on that. And so what you're talking about doing is being rational, having a rational thought process in your brain and. But uh, we, a consciousness, a consciousness which, 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 awareness, which, which requires you to be of rational thought and bring right. down the emotions. But Robert Greene, who is uh, one of my favorite authors, he's been on mm -hmm. the show, 48 Laws of right. Power, mm -hmm. also has Laws of Human Nature. Check right. out that episode. It's a very good one. Uh, but he talks about the, the when you talk about human nature, one of the first rules is the rule of irrationality. Right. He says the only way to be rational is to recognize that you are irrational. Right. So it goes back to the point of these systems that we have put in place are not real. They are right. made up. Correct. Race is made up as a system to control people. Correct. Period. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have to tackle racism. Right. Because that is real, right. but race is fake. Right. <laughs> and, right. and once we actually realize that, we'll be so much further along as both black and white people will actually be able to advance because, you know what, there's just as many dumb black people as there are white people. There's, there's, there's just as no, many small, it's, like it's, everybody, it's there's dumb, there's it's dumb pe it's people, people, right? right. It's, you know, and, and I'm sure I shared with you before, you know, living in different parts of the world and having to deal with people. Yeah. You know, you grow up, you, you go to high school and, you know, one of the, the things here is like, oh, if you're Asian, you're really smart and good at math. Yeah, that ain't true. <laughs> I'm smarter than most Asians I know in math, by the way. I got engineering. You know, I'm just saying. Like, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Yeah, like, I met some smart Asians. I met some dumb ones. You, live, you, live, you yeah. live in China and you have to deal with the taxi driver sometimes, you know, who you give directions to, and he goes a completely different right. route, right? right? So it's no different because from anywhere. And you because intelligence is not attached to a race or culture Correct. or anything. Correct. But there Correct. are cultural legacies and mindsets which, which, which do determine outcomes. And that's what we got. That's what we have to worry about because it's another great book. You know, I read about thinking fast and slow. People, right. your brain is literally 
rewired by the people you hang around. Correct. So if the people that you're around have a don't have a growth mentality, right. uh, and they believe that they can't do, right. no matter how strong, actually this is the hard part, no matter how strong your brain is, your continual presence around them yeah, right. will literally rewire your thinking to think like them. Right. We are so, but we're not, we're, not, we're not only tribal in nature, our brains are reprogrammed, right. and then you got to go repro. So my goal, so I say, if you're around people that are thinking nonsense, doing nonsense, you're going to be nonsense. So there's, a, there's, a, um, it's interesting. This is, the conversation is going deep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I that's disruption. <laughs> so um, one of the, the things I've, I've been studying over the last, I'd say, few years, is the whole cosmos and the existence of life on Earth. And right. Like I'll, I'll, I'll try to go through it really fast, but the sun created all of the planets and celestial beings around that are in our solar system, right? Okay. So Earth was created from that, right? And I'm not religious in any way, so I'll put that as a disclaimer. That's fine. I, I, right? That's cool. So, no, not judgment, this is disruption. Right. So um, the Earth is created, yeah. and then out of the Earth comes um, life, right? Right. So the sun basically is our father, or right. some mother, right? right? And life comes out of us, and life evolves. And life learns. We know life learns, right? Life learns because you can look at a dog and look at how it behaves, right? Right? Because we train it a certain way, instinctively, without you needing to even teach a dog certain things, he's gonna do certain things, right? Right? So instinctively. So a lot of things that I've come to really accept is that not only are our physical characteristics passed along through time, but I also believe that intelligence is also passed along through time right. as a result of your exposure to your environment. I agree. Right? And so I do believe like genetically, you may literally be smart because you're coming from a yeah. you know, a chain of really smart individuals. Yeah. Or not smart. Or more adept to perform a particular task. I want to ask task. you a really deep question and then we're gonna talk about art. I don't want to go yeah. too fast. So do you think there with that, do you think there's any design or purpose, or you think it's all random? Um, I do believe that human. Um, I know it's a hard question. I just yeah, no. Because it's a question I ask people who don't necessarily have a spiritual uh, or, or think that there's, there's there that there's anything there. Which I'm again not just mental, but, but, but my question I is think that I think it's what it is. I think life is. I think life happens as based on its environment. Okay. Right? And so what I mean by that is... Environments are dictated through... And our environments are dictated through... through, through some through of our environments can be dictated... Through a cause and usually a spark. Exactly. Right? By somebody interjecting Correct. into that particular process. Or it can be just nature. And I think it's a balance of the, of the two, okay. right? That's fair. So, that's, that's, a good, that's a good So let's talk about art, because I think that kind of gets a good transition to art. I can yeah. see why you're an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that art, mind, thinking, and flowing. And, yeah. So you're in the art. How is art and entrepreneurship uh, connected here? It is. It it it's just getting its way. To, <clears throat> you're actually an artist. So I'm an artist. All right. So we, can we? Is there some of your work online that we can show? Do you have a? Yeah. So people make, can, make sure we'll, we'll put that in the notes. Make sure you get that to me. We'll got put it in you. Notes so, so we can tell people. Um, there are two websites you can check out. I mentioned already. Decoding Legacy that talks Decoding about Legacy. Decoding Legacy. Decoding Legacy. And you have an art name. What's your art name? And my art name is Mark Fi. So is there a reason behind the name? So absolutely. So MarkFiCreations.com. Okay. MarkFiCreations.com. All right. 
Mark Fi Creation. I'm just a plug. It's just a plug. I got it. Yeah, it's good. I get it. Plug, plug. Mark Fi Creation. All right. So, and it's PHI. Okay. So, um, I went to an art and wine class in 2013 with a friend of right. mine. And um, did a line. The art teacher saw it and said, you got something here. Right. Didn't do much with it. I was in Australia at the time. Went back, came back to the people right. paintings and the Ebola hit. And I was stuck waiting for Ebola to kind of pass. Right. So I sat down and started painting a whole bunch of Bob Marley paintings and paintings for my mom. And um, took one of the paintings that I had and I passed it off to the Bob Marley Museum. Not the Bob Marley Museum, but the Bob Marley social media guys. Yeah. And one day, um, it was a Sunday, I see my Facebook account blowing up. And turns out they posted it. Oh, wow. Had like uh, almost 400,000 likes, 40,000 shares. And it was, wow. Right. I, I didn't realize people would like the stuff that I did that much. My mom looks at me and says, you know, you have a gift here. You should do something with it. So time passes and I decided, okay, I'm going to start painting. And um, uh, a year later, I approached the Bob Marley Museum and gave them a collection of my paintings, which is now on exhibit at the Bob Marley Museum in Jamaica. Wow. So um, that kind of just happened. So what I did for the first, um, I guess, four years was I focused on using my art to create impact. So right. Mark Phi is about creating impact. And the Phi is about creation. And this right. goes back to the whole deep conversation we're having before. Yeah. But Phi is a ratio right yeah. it, which also is a representation in a lot of creation right. literally when i say creation i'm talking about the portions of your body yeah the portions of the celestial beings your dna there's so many different um things that were created by the life force that gives life that are that adhere to that ratio right and so phi is about creation right so um and mark it's my middle name, right? But it's right. also about creating an impact and leaving right. a mark behind. What's the impact look like? So let's say one of the questions I asked: there was a billboard <coughs> up, Google ad, whatever you want to call it, that says your statement, your saying in life, your legacy. Mm -hmm. What would that say? So I've used art to do two things. Okay. And one of them is new, but the first is very established: art philanthropy. Okay. So I've used my art over the last four years to help charitable organizations all over the world, done in China, done in Africa, done in Europe, I've done it here in the United States and in Jamaica, um, to create um, funds for charitable organizations through my art for right. their cause. So I create custom pieces for those organizations, I donate it, they auction it or sell it. Right. And then the proceeds from those um, sales benefit the charitable organization. And I hold those organizations accountable to make sure that the funds that they get from the art are used for exactly what they say they're right. going to use it for. So that has been the impact that I've been able to use my art to create. Um, the new focus is about art, um, you know, wealth generation. Yeah. And art is an asset class. And it's one of those few asset classes that you can almost guarantee that, you know, if you look at the performance of um, the stock market or real estate in comparison to a piece of art that you may purchase over the last 10 years, you probably see that that particular piece of art outperformed all of those other asset classes. Wow. And yeah. so as a result of that, I'm using art and being very deliberate about how I use my art to 
you know, help individuals to create wealth for themselves. And, and you know, black people, by our culture, I think, and I'm including Africa, I'm just including everybody in that, are very creative. But it's, it's, I think it's time for us to make sure that we are getting the value of our creations. Correct. Money flows through our community, through Africa, through yes. African Americans, but not to us. Correct. And, and, and now trying to disrupt that narrative, we can talk all day and I'm, I say I'm not against protest. I think protest is a necessary component for us to move forward. We got to have it. You know, you need to have policy, but none of that will be maintained without actual power. And power doesn't happen without wealth. Right. So we were chatting about that earlier. And, um, you know, um, our, our world, the capitalist world, is driven by money. It is. Right. And, but I think a, a root of that, you know, is really comes back to religion, which is a support system right. for creating policies that continue to allow capitalism to reign as the driving force behind our value system. Right. And my, and my, and my belief on that is it's organized religions and structures Correct. that come that are coming together and usually merge with governments. Correct. To pull on that emotional appeal towards Correct. people, right? That's really and by the way, I am a Christian, uh, but I believe it's being done and I think a lot of religion. There's just no getting around. I've read. Right. I've read guns, germs, and steel. Right. I, I know how we got to the situation. The book right. is the, the the premise is pretty simple. It starts off at the beginning with Jared Diamond yeah, talking. Know. You know, you know I the book, know right? The, Talk, the talking book, to an yeah. African, and the guy's like, like, how did you get ahead of us? He said, right. well, you know, and uh, just so you know, I'm gonna end. The, you read the book. I'm gonna spoil yeah. it for you. But here's the here's the long story bearable. The person, the one party had more resources, natural resources at the time, which allowed them to advance quicker. That's it. Right. Nothing else. Had nothing to do with genes. Had nothing to do with right. innate talent. Right. Right. So knowing that that is the case, and they use religion to justify right. their behavior, do, their behavior, which is what I we're still being done right now. Yeah, right. right. People use religion to say we're doing this because these people need us. Right. We're doing this to help savages not be savages. Right. No, you're doing this to get money. Man, correct. And you're and you're and you're using and religion. They, and and they, that's so and I, they I don't, I don't think it's religion. On top of it, too. it's religion and state. But before it was that, it was worshiping the sun god. Whatever it is. Right. When you know people are using it towards their own uh, just in, enrichment right. and their own power, that to me is not religion. Like this, we have a little disagreement here. I guess I think that is a that is a that is what that is men and women organizing things to justify their power. Correct. No matter how no matter how you look at it, yeah. they they will find systems and ways Correct. to justify and, and their power. And I think that's a good word. That's a good word to use. So I I look at you know there's. There's another book also, um, *Sapiens* by Noval. Yes, Yuval that's a good Harari, book too. I, right? I just, I'm just getting that one, but uh, yes. Yeah. So <coughs> you, I read both, both uh, *Guns, Germs, and Steel* yeah. and *Sapiens*. That changed my back. life. *Guns, Germs, and Steel* Sa yes, changed my absolutely life. Absolutely well. And so *Sapiens* did, had the same effect right. on me. But reading both of them together really gave this continuation. And there is another one, *Why Nations Fail* which is really cool. So I want to get that. Why Nations Fail? I got, got one you. for you. Thinking Fast and Slow. Read that one. Gotcha. So we, we're exchanging books. No problem. Yeah. No problem. But I think that when you talk about those things, it really exposes systems, right? Yeah. And I think whatever you con constructs that we create yeah. that 
we use as a tool to influence individuals. And constructs aren't real. And the constructs aren't it's real. It's augmented it's reality. All, right, it's, exactly. a, it's the reality that's being put exactly. in front of you we that's not real. We don't need the computers real. and the AR and the VR no. for augmented reality. But they are creating new. That's another, that's, that's another conversation. That's, yeah. another, that's a new they're level not, of conditioning. Right. They're just now taking the augmented reality and actually making it physical so you can experience it in your day-to-day. -day. But it's, you already live in it because if you live in that construct and believe the things that how we operate and think that this is the way things are you go talk to our you know hunters and gatherers yep. and you'll realize that everything that we think is the way it's supposed to be is just something that we created we only need food to survive enough hours of sleep at night and you know, don't get eaten by the animals. Yeah, that's the basic, <laughs> basic tri basic. tribal instinct, survival. Yeah, exactly, survival. So we gotta, we gotta, gotta wrap up, final question. You got your committee of three to advise you in life, art, whatever you want, living, dead. Who would those three people be and why? Oh my gosh. Woo! That's a tough one. We always give tough ones at the end. Mm. That's a tough one. Just give me top three to come out of your mind right now. The top three that come out of my mind right anybody now. Anybody in history, anybody in your, your personal life now, doesn't matter. Um, I would say um, Albert Einstein stands out. <coughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, um, I love creators, so yeah. that's, that's, that's probably why that stands out. Um, he was an innovator too. I tell about, I consider yeah. myself more of an innovator than an entrepreneur, though I gotta match the two. And you talked about it, you know, that the fact that you can easily kill yourself and make catastrophic mistakes. I would say more often than not, uh, innovators tend to do that. Right. Because innovation exists on the edge of it's, it's failure. Right Unfortunately, right. that's just yes. true. But go yes. ahead. So Albert Einstein first, second. Um, uh, oh, man. I definitely want a spiritual guru. Um, so I really adhere a lot to the philosophies of Buddhism. Okay. So um, I would say that, you know, uh, Buddha would probably be one of the um, entities I want two. to be able to. Last one. Oh, gosh. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know. Are you going to give us two? Okay, well, I'll let you off the yeah, hook and give you two. So, look, Charles Smart, look, I look forward to having some future collaborations. This has been an interesting, deep conversation, brother. We got to do it again. No problem. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks.